You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. This is Adam Griffin, and before I introduce you to our truly wonderful guest, let me first introduce my lovely co-host. You guys know her. She's Mrs. Cassie Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie? Oh, well, I'm holding back tears from meeting a hero of our faith right now. I'm so excited about our guest today. Well, who's that? Why don't you introduce our guest today, Cassie? (gasps) Really? Oh, well, it is a pleasure to introduce Johnny Erickson Tata. Well, you're so sweet to say that. I am honored to be on with you and Adam, and of course, all of our friends tuning in, all your subscribers. What a joy to be with you. It is a joy. On the scale of meeting uh, Billy Graham and presidents, and and now finally for you, the Family Discipleship Podcast host, I'm sure this is right there at the top of the list, but I'll tell you, for (laughs) us, (laughs) for us, for Cassie, this really is her getting to meet one of her heroes. Cassie, isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've just I've followed your story for a long time, and as someone that's been in children's ministry for a long time, we've partnered with Johnny and friends. We've gone to trainings, and yeah, it's just amazing what God has done in and through you. And you're just a gift to the church. And well, um, Cassie, I've got to ask you when when did you read the Johnny book? How old were you? Oh, oh gosh, I don't even know. I a don't know. Kid, a good probably. Question. Yes, it must have been. I grew up in the church, so it's. In the, and then I heard you speak in D.C. at the Evangelicals for Life conference a couple Wonderful. years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can hardly believe that this year, um, the 45th anniversary edition of the Johnny Book is being released. And oh, I know, wow. I know we're not talking about that, but uh, I look back and I think of all the many people who have been blessed by that book, and I'm humbled, honored, yeah. blessed flattened by God's mercy and goodness. Amen. Mm. Well, Johnny, since, you know, Cassie and I have gotten to hear from you before, we've gotten to see you before, we know your ministry, but for those who are listening who maybe don't know you, would you mind introducing yourself just a little bit and telling us a little about you and about your ministry? Well, our listeners can't see this, but uh, Adam, I'm sitting in a wheelchair. Um, I don't have use of my hands, nor do I have use of my legs. I have lived as a quadriplegic for 55 years Um, in a wheelchair. When I was 17 years old, I took a reckless dive in shallow water and Mm. hit the bottom that snapped my head back. It crushed my uh, vertebrae in my neck and that severed my spinal cord. And what can I say? I was plummeted into depression when doctors told me I'd never walk Mm. again or have use of my hands or legs. All this came on the heels of me praying a prayer that very year, just months before my accident. Jesus, I need to get closer to you. I'm Mm. heading off to college, and I know I'm going to screw things up. So, Jesus, please grip my life. Grip my heart. Do something to make me not wander away from you when I go off to college. Well, I prayed that, I think, in April or May of 1967, and then I broke my neck in July could not for the life of me understand what in the world was God thinking when he took that prayer seriously. Hmm. You can't, I can't, I just could not believe that a broken neck would be God's way of answering a prayer to be drawn closer to him. Hmm. It just seems hmm. so uh, unlike the Lord. But hmm. uh, now, many decades later, I see the strange odd, mysterious, wise ways of our Lord. Mm. Yeah. And and I'm grateful. Looking back, you know what? I'm really grateful because you know what, Adam and Cassie, I was heading off to college. I was going to be sleeping with my boyfriend. I knew mm-hmm. that I was going to be uh, walking down a dangerous road that would 
uh, caused me eventually to perhaps even recant my faith. Mm. So God was merciful in keeping me from my own worst enemy, which wow. was, of course, myself. Wow. And uh, so wow. that's why I can look back and say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, we want to talk about your new book, but first, can we talk a little bit about your ministry, Johnny and Friends? Uh, you've done so much to help churches serve people with disability. Can you share with us the vision of Johnny and Friends, what that organization does, thinking especially about the parent and the church leader who might be listening and just starting to work with children that have disabilities? Well, Cassie, um, it was my little church that made the biggest difference in my life. Um, they weren't trained in any sophisticated ministry with its own curriculum and budget and staff leadership. No, they just saw a family in need. Mm. And so my little church rallied around my, my parents and my siblings rallied around me and they just rubbed their hands over our souls to look for all the cracks, all the places that they could fill. And uh, they did a good job of it, my goodness. And so I was so blessed by my church. And my life began to uh, get on a much better trajectory through their wise counsel and support. I was so blessed by them that, honestly, I started Johnny and Friends simply to pass along that blessing to Mm. other churches. Mm. I wanted them to see. I wanted churches to see that you don't need to be experts in rehabilitation counseling. You don't need a degree in biblical counseling. You don't need a lot of sophisticated staff structure or a big budget or trained leadership. All you need is a heart to serve. That's good. And and, uh, that's, that's what we do at Johnny and Friends. We we try to cast the vision of Jesus himself, who said in Luke chapter 14, of all the people that you might forget or overlook or neglect, do not neglect the disabled, the lame, and the blind. Go out, mm. find them, and bring them in, he says. That's do good. it, and you will be blessed. And uh, of course, we think that churches, the most blessed churches, the most joyful churches, the happiest churches, are those who are reaching out to people with the biggest needs. Wow. Yes. Well, I know that Cassie was wondering too, a lot of our listeners are leading churches who don't have a lot of resources. They don't have, uh, like you said, it was a small church. Sometimes right now that there's these big churches that seem to be the ones where a, a family with disabilities feels like, Hey, they can maybe find the help they need there. Can you speak to the person who thinks like, Oh, we're a small church. We could never do that. It sounds like this. your own personal story is that a church without a lot of resources just had to love you. What do you say to the family, to the church that doesn't have a lot of resources? Well, if friends listening um, are a part of a small congregation, please know that you do not have to have designated handicapped parking places in your church parking lot in order to be disability friendly. You don't hmm. need to even have necessarily an accessible facility, nor do you need to have accessible programming. What you need is people who have a heart Come on. to care for those with big needs. Yeah. And sometimes that can be as simple as providing a little bit of respite hmm. for, let's say, a special needs mother in your neighborhood. Uh, let's say you are a member of a congregation and there's someone in your neighborhood, your church neighborhood, that you know is a special needs mother of a child with, uh, let's say, Down syndrome. And, and you know this woman needs a break. You know, you, you know that she's trying to hold down a job and mm-hmm. make ends meet and tend to the needs of her child, keep up her housekeeping. Well, y- you could just 
do a few housekeeping chores. You, you could assign a couple of people in your church just to knock on our door and say, hey, we're from the congregation down the street, and we know that you are a special needs mom who might need a little bit of help. Mm. We'd love to help you. Tell us, what, what can we do to assist you? Um, do you need transportation to run errands? Can one of us at church stay with your child while you yeah. go get your nails done? Um, can we learn his routine? And maybe you can go have coffee with a friend, something you haven't done for a while. It, it's all about relationships. It's all about opening your mm. eyes yeah. and realizing that service is is always a little sacrificial. That's the way Jesus yeah. likes it. Mm. He, he <laughs> likes it to be sacrificial. So yeah. it, you might be out of your comfort zones. You might not know all the quote disability friendly language, although that's not really important. Mm. Um, but all you need to do is just ask a few questions, uh, have an open heart, be willing to learn, and let that family with a special needs child guide you. Let them say, well, you know what? Wow, I, I really would like to go have coffee with my girlfriend. Do you, do you think I could get to know you guys better? And could you come and learn my child's routine? I mean, build a relationship. That's and good. that doesn't take a fancy project description or a budget or a trained staff. It just takes hearts to that want to serve. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. I've, uh, you know, I've heard, heard you share that advice before. And I want you to know that uh, last time that I got to be in a room and hear you share that, I took that advice to heart and my family, my wife and I, we invited um, a friend of ours who's, you know, his parents are giving him full-time care because of his disabilities. We invited him over so that they could go on a date. Didn't realize that his parents had not been on a date on decade, in decades. Mm. And so um, I just wanted to share too, you said it's a sacrificial service, but I'll tell you for us and for them, it was one of the best things. It was so beautiful for us to get that time with him there without his parents. And for, for his parents to get a little bit of time away was, you know, hard for them too. It wasn't just that they don't not want him around. You know, it was a blessing to us all the way around. It was a big blessing to our family to serve like that. Now, we could talk about Johnny and Friends all day. I know people can go check out the website for that. And you've got great resources. But we want to talk to you also about this new book you wrote. And you've, you've written a lot of things, but your latest children's book is about, it's about Jesus and it's about an invitation to heaven. And it's called The Awesome, Super Fantastic Forever Party. <laughs> it's, it's a great topic. It's beautifully done. I'd love to start just, I, I would love to hear what led to wanting to write a book to kids about heaven. What led to that for you? Well, first, Adam, let me congratulate you on getting all the adjectives in their right order. <laughs> awesome, super, forever, Adam fantastic. is very good with adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you can guess, Adam and Cassie, I, I love thinking about heaven. I love laying up my treasures in heaven. Mm-hmm. I like investing in heaven. I mean, honestly, everything I do down here on earth, every little drastic obedient obedience, every choice, every uh, decision on how I'm going to spend my time, will I put before my eyes worthless things like some mm-hmm. silly Netflix series or mm-hmm. I mean, what, everything I do has a direct bearing on my capacity for service and worship and joy in heaven. So I don't want to waste my suffering. I don't want to waste my afflictions. I want to, I want to wow. build things that will last for eternity. And I want to stretch my heart's capacity for more worship and service and joy in eternity. And that's the way we should live with that kind of heavenly perspective on our days. And I want children to have that same perspective I want uh, moms and dads to build within the hearts of their uh, children 
a love and a zeal and a passion for not just heaven, but of course, Jesus, uh, yeah. who, who's in heaven interceding for us. I want them to be able to energize children to get beyond the myths and the fables uh, and the, um, the, the erroneous thinking about heaven. Yeah. It's not all about me. It's not all about eating chocolate chip pancakes with <laughs> a can honey sauce. It's, it's not about, you know, riding the biggest, most gigantic water slide in the universe. It, it, it's far more wonderful than that. Help mm. children get beyond the, the me-centeredness of, of looking at heaven and help them to see what it's really going to be like and yeah. how you can invest in it, how you can build toward it. And uh, so that's why I wrote the book, and I had such fun writing it. But let me sure. quick tell you, Adam and Cassie, adults are reading this book. You know, they've got <laughs> questions about heaven. And yeah. in fact, it's so evangelistic, this little book, that mm. um, I'm giving it to friends of mine who do not know Jesus. Mm. They're curious about him, but they're really not sure what the whole life and death resurrection thing is all about and how it yeah. applies to them. Well, this little book even covers that. Mm. So um, it's, it's, it's a gentle yet winsome, wonderful way to share the gospel of Jesus, not just with children, but I think yeah. with adults as well. Yeah, that's true. I've, I've looked through it. It is such a beautiful book. Johnny, I'm so grateful you wrote it. I, and I'm glad you brought up the, the misconceptions about heaven. Why do you think there are so many misconceptions in our culture about heaven? I love the way you address some of them in the book, the, the pancakes and the slides and the making it all about me. Why are there so many misconceptions? Because I think our thoughts about heaven are lazy. Hmm. As Christians, mm -hmm. they're just lazy and we tend to uh, we tend to buy into the world's fables about heaven. Yeah. You know that that uh, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, happily ever after time, when um, you know the the wicked old witch is dead, and and then it, it it's all about us having our handsome prince, and and you know it's all about you know I'm going to be happy forever. Well, yeah, that's true, but. It's so much more than just a, a doing away of wickedness and and yeah. and, and being wedded to our savior, uh, our, uh, the prince of peace. No, there's there's so much more to it. And I think we we um, we don't really know what to teach our children about heaven because we're not sure what heaven is all about either. Do we realize that that heaven will one day be on earth? That there will be a renovated earth? And it yeah. will have all the earthy things in it about right. this earth that we so love, that there will be mountains and there will be meadows and we'll have new glorified bodies that are perfectly suited, not only for eternity, but also for earth. The, yeah. new, the new earth will be very earthy. And, yeah. and so we can, uh, we can long and look forward to things that that energize us about this present earth, but the best things about it are yet to come. Yeah, let me tell you, this time of year, that is the thing that I cling to with allergy season because it's like, <laughs> I really look forward to enjoying the outdoors for eternity. Like right now, I'm so like held back <laughs> by what I could be doing outside in April, but the pollen, you know, but I am, I love that. Well, Cassie, you've got to know that I'm constantly making dates with people um, in heaven. I just came back from a family retreat and I was with one of the special needs mothers and this particular family retreat that our ministry runs for families struggling with disability. This particular retreat center is right up against the entrance to Kings Canyon National Park. And there's some beautiful wow. mountains. There's this lovely river. And 
I was so mesmerized. This special needs mom and I were walking along the river. I was wheeling. She was walking. And, and it was so mesmerized. It was so beautiful. I stopped. And I looked at her and said, let's make a date. Mm. Let's make a date that in the renovated earth, we're going to come alongside this river. And if it's not this one, it'll be one very much like it. And we're going to enjoy this together. We're going to go fishing. We're going to climb that mountain over there. But I really mean it. Yeah. yeah. She I love thinks that. I was just talking a metaphor. You know, or, or some sort of simile or some sorts of allegory. No, no, no. I'm talking reality because yeah. I can't walk. I can't climb. I can't yeah. run. And Cassie, you can't breathe in the outdoors. <laughs> but one day it's all going to be so wonderfully different. Hey, friends, it's March. And that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. Some of the illustrations in the book include uh, kids with disabilities and address specifically what heaven will be like for them. But this is obviously a book for all kids. So why do you think it's important for parents to talk with kids about the afterlife? Well, it's important because that's the bottom line for every Christian. Right. Heaven is the bottom line. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that this world and the good things in it, the joys in it, this world is only the title page of a far more grand and glorious story that is yet to be written. And so if this earth and all that we experience in it are only the title page, Mm. oh my goodness, what is in store for us? Right. That is the reality with a capital R Mm. that we're heading for. And so it's important that children learn that, again, everything they do down here on earth uh, has a direct bearing on their capacity for joy in heaven. So. 
there is a reason you should obey God. There is a reason to lay up treasures in heaven. There is a reason to be generous um, with your friends and, and to share with them. I mean, these are all wonderful ways to help boys and girls lay up treasures in heaven yeah. uh, because it is, it is the finish line. It's, it's the goal. It's, the, it's our reason for being to eventually be with the Lord Jesus and delight in him forever. So yeah. when, when parents ask me, well, then how can I get my kids, how can I get them excited about heaven? Well, of course, one way you do that is to get them excited about Jesus right. Come on. And, and to connect yeah. them, their little hearts close to the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But another way to do it is every time they experience what I like to call aha moments, like, oh, oh, I'm so excited. And when they're jumping up and down and or they, they the first visit to the Grand Canyon and they're all struck and filled with wonder and daddy, isn't this great? Well, immediately daddy can say, Johnny, you, you, that, that emotion you're feeling right now, that comes from God. Yeah. That's a gift from God. You know, it's, it's a parent's job to connect yeah. the, the heartfelt expressions of children that are joyful or happy or obedient to immediately connect that to God. This is mm. God. Draw a direct line between oh, your little so heart good. and all that yeah. you're feeling and, and directly connect it with the Lord Jesus. That's it's great. his gift to you. He's giving this emotion, this wonderful, glorious uh, uh, sense of gratitude. It's it's a gift from him. So yeah. connect those aha moments to the Lord, and you're going to be training your child up in the way that he should view all aha moments from then on out, even into his adulthood. That's so good. I I love what you brought up there. I want to talk more about Jesus specifically as a centerpiece of heaven in just a minute, but I wonder for you personally, how is your theology of eternal life, the the theology that was developed in you by your family growing up, the churches you've been in growing up, how does eternal life impact the way you see God? Like you're talking about helping other parents draw that connection. This being the title page, how does that impact the way you view God? Well, my heavenly father, it tells me in chapter one of the book of James, gives every good gift, every good wonderful gift that I enjoy down here on earth is, yeah. is a, a generous overflow of God's love for me. He gives me good gifts because he loves me. And the good gifts are not having use of my hands. It's mm. not an ability to walk or play a game of tennis. It, it's the gift of courage, of perseverance, of yeah. gratitude, of endurance, of long suffering, mm-hmm. of of. I mean, all of these things are good gifts that are so satisfying. I am, I am so satisfied in God. I'm so happy with Him. I'm so content with Him. And uh, my goodness, if I feel this joy in Him here on Earth, what will it be like when my heart is totally transformed? When I get to heaven, I leave all sin behind. I am filled to overflowing with abundant joy. Yeah. What will that be like? I don't want to miss that, Adam. I don't want to, I don't want to diminish that or jeopardize that, Cassie. Yeah. And so I do everything I can down here on earth to safeguard and protect my eternal investments, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, what's in my heart. You know, yeah. I, I, I guard my heart. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to put worthless things in front of my eyes. I purposefully uh, decide not to listen to 
certain things on the radio or watch certain things on television. I, yeah. I know these things will dull my spirit and diminish my joy. So I try to create disciplines in my life that keep me focused on eternity. And actually, uh, fathers and mothers listening can do that with their children. You know, limit those things which are going to eventually diminish your child's spiritual sensitivities. Oh, yeah. If it's too much electronics, if it's, yeah. you know, too much playing with certain games, if it becomes an obsession with a certain hobby, you know, just, just be careful and put up your spiritual radar, your antennae, and be sensitive to those things which are dulling or diminishing your, your child's spiritual sensibilities. And you'll be, so you'll, be, you'll be going quite far in helping yeah. your little one cultivate a joy for heaven. Yeah. I mean, for kids, a party and getting things or being protected from things could easily become the most appealing thing about heaven. So how would you encourage parents to help kids see the best thing about heaven is Jesus, like what you were saying earlier? Well, it is what I will say earlier. Get them in love with Jesus. Talk yeah. about Jesus in the car. Mm-hmm. Sing hymns. Put on worship music. Um Get them memorizing songs that are uplifting to the heart and to the spirit. Um, Limit, again, their choices. And you can do this as a parent. You know, we live in an an age of entitlement and and moms and dads have been so influenced by what is politically correct. And well, let let me back up. I've got a friend. uh, She's actually the daughter of a friend of mine. And she wants her daughter to be wild and free. And to experience the the freedom and the joy of just, you know, being herself. Mm. Well, that that's the world's language. That that yeah. might quote sound fashionable, but it is so anti-biblical. Right. And 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 she might think that that's giving her child a, a freedom of expression and a freedom to be herself. But actually, she is further enslaving her child to self yeah. and sin. And parents just need to understand this. So um, helping them to cultivate a a love for Jesus starts with small choices. The way a child spends his time, the way a child, what the child listens to, what kind of music he tunes into, you know, shepherding and making certain that, you know, children's conversations are healthy. Yeah. There's all kinds of ways. And, and, if your, your your little boy or girl is is resistant, then drop to your knees, mom and dad, and yeah. get to praying specifically yeah. and committedly and purposefully for that little one God has put in your charge. You That's have a right. spiritual obligation, so yeah. get to praying. That's, That's so good. good. Yeah. Those little actions you're talking about, it's like, so they seem so small, even though as a parent, you know, they can be actually very difficult to try and like uh, wean your kids off from a comfort maybe they've gotten like, too used to, or, you know, something that they enjoyed a little too much. We just fasted actually for Lent from screen time. And the first week was, it was a thing, you know, it was like very difficult for my children. But then a couple of weeks ago, my middle daughter, she said, you know, I really don't miss TV anymore at all. And I was like, really? And we talked about how, isn't that interesting when you take something away that you think you need or you want and you think about every day, but then you find out it's really not that important or even that beneficial. Okay, obviously, to talk about the afterlife, to talk about heaven, we also have the chance to address mortality with our kids. How would you encourage parents to have good conversations with their kids about someone's death? Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think this is why when we look at some of the classic timeless hymns of the faith, hymns that were written back in 
uh, the 1600s, 1700s, there always stands as about death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's healthy. It's important for, um, for children to, to grasp that death is a part of life. When their pet dog dies, when their cat dies, I mean, to, to t- use that as an opportunity to speak about death and that this world is not the only world that there is. There is a world yet to come. And let's prepare for that world. And death is an, is an open doorway into that world. So yes, there are things that we grieve and we're going to miss grandma terribly, but we will see her again. And so mm-hmm. you know, just, just asking your child, tell me, what do you, how, do you, how would you best handle? Tell me how you can handle death. What, what would you say? And then just, mm-hmm. just start the conversation. So many people don't even want to bring up the topic. It's not exactly dinner table conversation, yeah. but it might be. It might be conversation right. when you're walking along with your child in the neighborhood, or, or you see something that is. I remember when I was a little girl, I saw a dead bird in our backyard, and it was a beautiful bird. And my father sat mm. me down, and basically he said, "Sweetheart, this is this is the way of life, and all things are going to die one day, honey. You're going to die." And of course, to hear my father say that was a little unnerving, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it, it did provide an open door for a marvelous conversation yeah. about how I could prepare for that difficult yeah. time. Well, kids are thinking about it. I mean, they, from an early, like you just said, I mean, my daughters have seen a dead squirrel in the road, or I mean, most recently we went to uh, my grandfather's funeral in January. And so it's like, they eventually, they, they are going to be faced with the reality. And so to skirt around it or to sweep it under a rug or to get uncomfortable, it really ends up communicating to our kids. Like we don't want to talk about hard things with you, or we don't have what we feel like a hope or a rooted kind of grounded knowledge about this. And so I feel like it ends up discouraging them from even coming to us with the hard things in life. If we're not willing to kind of, you know, enter into that with them. So that's really good. That's really encouraging. Thank you. And and, and it helps. um, I think it helps a child understand that life is serious. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sobering. Mm -hmm. Um, Life is broken. It's a world that is terribly gone haywire because of sin. And this world as we know it is salt and peppered with wonderfully joyful moments. But for the most part, it's a hard world. And life is supposed to be difficult. God hardwired it that way. And so I think times of death prepared the child for, for, you know, realizing that, oh, my goodness, you know, disease colds, illnesses, injuries. Let me, let me back up here. A friend of mine um, has, a, has a son, his name is Elliot, and Elliot has a, a obsessive compulsive disorder. He is terrified of germs, just terrified of them, and is constantly washing his hands, constantly wiping doorknobs. He, he's afraid uh, to play outside after mm. a rainstorm for feel of worms and germs and the dirt, and it, it is just so obsessive with him. And for a long time, uh, my friend would say to Elliot, "Sweetheart, this isn't going to hurt you. This isn't. This isn't." But then she went to to UCLA. They have a behavioral studies program there, and the first advice she was getting given was, "Tell your child the truth. Say, sweetheart, you know, if you do go outside and play in the dirt, you probably you you might get sick, but that's yeah. okay. Mom's here. I'm yeah. with you. And and if you if if you." Uh, don't wash your hands, or if you miss a doorknob, guess what? You'll get germs, and you yep. might get sick then. But that's okay. 
mommy's here. We're going to get through it together. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, she said immediately, her child just, uh, wow, it was very freeing. Yeah. And um, that was kind of fun when she told that to me. I thought, oh, my goodness, good for UCLA. Yeah, I, I think what you're saying, Johnny, is so critical for parents to understand. And what's beautiful is that we actually have a truth that's better than any lie we would make up to try to comfort a child when we talk about death and we talk about hard things. So what's so odd is the the kind of instinct that so many parents have to say, oh, I'll tell them, you know, if their friend passed away, their friend is an angel and their friend is now kind of here and with us and they can see us. And like, no, the, the truth is what's better than that is a friend who trusts in Jesus is with Jesus. They don't, they don't need to be here. And we've seen so many confused kids who are I don't know what to do with what they've been told by their parents because their parents thought they were saying something comforting, but because it was untrue, it's like they have to, their friends have to become complicit in a lie in order to comfort them. When really the truth that there's a better life to come and a better life with Jesus for those who believe and those who don't believe, we get to keep, we get to keep sharing that gospel that there's a better way to live now and a better life to come. Obviously it's all rooted in the scripture for us. My one of my favorite scriptures about the afterlife is is from Zechariah 8 where it talks about in verse 5 that the streets of the city will be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. Now I, Cassie and I were actually just talking about this about how I live in a neighborhood where boys and girls can't play in the streets here and I can't just let my kids outside and the picture of a place that is so safe that boys and girls can play in the street and not be worried. I love that. But I wonder for you, as you wrote this book and as you think about heaven, what are the scriptures that come to mind for you that you kind of root your theology of what's to come for us? What are, what are the scriptures that pop in your mind? Oh my goodness. Well, again, Colossians chapter three, set your uh, minds not on the things of this earth, but on things above. Yeah. I think first Corinthians chapter 15, the entire uh, chapter is energizing to my heart. Uh, it speaks about our resurrected bodies, and yes. um, the Bible so wisely uses um, natural things, metaphors like seeds, like unless a grain of uh, wheat falls into the ground and dies. You know, those kinds of pictures are so interesting for children. You know, I was talking with a, a child not long ago. In fact, it was at our family retreat, not this one uh, this year, but last year. I was talking with a little boy about uh, what he thought about heaven because he has a disability and he was very interested about what his body would be like. He couldn't quite understand it. And I said to him, I said, okay, do you, do you know, you know what an acorn is? You sometimes collect acorns at the base of a big oak tree and you know that little acorn, if you put it in the ground and it dies and it comes to life through watering, it's going to grow up to be that great big oak tree. Yeah. Now that little acorn bears absolutely no resemblance to that big oak tree. They are totally different. They look so different. One is so small and stubby and the other is so grand and glorious and great. Mm. But they are exactly the same thing. That the, the promise of that big tree is embedded inside that little acorn. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what it's going to be like when you get your new body. You've never had a chance to run or jump out of your wheelchair, but one day mm. you're going to be like that big, grand, tall oak tree. It's going to be so phenomenal. And and it's just fun to use those sorts of metaphors from 1 Corinthians 15. I think that's one of the most fascinating chapters to, to read with a child that uh, – 
when they have questions about what what it will be like in heaven and what will their body wow. do. And of course, um, we know that Jesus, when he walked on earth, had a body uh, that was perfectly suited for earth. But then after he was resurrected, um, yeah. he had a body that was also suited for heaven. My yeah. goodness, he could appear in a room and and seemingly walk through a wall. So yeah. who can say what our bodies are going to be like? But the Bible is sprinkled with so many wonderful clues that make good, good discussion starters for children. Yeah, that's that's wonderful examples there. Johnny, thank you so much for all you've done to contribute to the kingdom of God in your lifetime. And thank you for writing this book. Before we let you go, would you mind just sharing with us what are the prayers you have for yourself right now? If our listeners want to be praying for you, for your ministry, for your household, what can they ask God for on your behalf? Well, Adam and Cassie, I just love doing what I do at Johnny and Friends. As I said, I've been so blessed and I want to pass on the blessing to others and I would love to stay healthy enough in order to keep doing that. Yeah. This year will mark 55 years. I've been in my wheelchair. That's a long time to be a quadriplegic. My lungs took a hit when I contracted COVID a mm. couple of years ago. And so uh, I'm in a weakened uh, state physically, but yet my heart is so full of uh ideas and excitement and enthusiasm for living. And I would love it if our listeners would pray for my continued health and yeah. strength and stamina. Having said that, I will qualify it. Because if tomorrow I had to be bedridden, you know what? I've had a good run and I would never complain. I could not complain. God has been so generous, so wonderful to give me 55 years of, of good health generally, even though I've battled cancer a couple of times still, I think I'm in good health. And and so I would just pray for that. And if people could ask God to bless me with a little bit more continued good health and stamina, I'd be so delighted until I have to be bedridden for any number of reasons. <laughs> Well, Johnny, thank you for sharing that so vulnerably. Thank you for sharing that so courageously. We we really hope for that too. You have had such an influence in so many people's lives and so many churches and uh, certainly on us. Uh, thank you so much for the time today. We cannot thank you enough. Well, I'm very grateful to you, Adam, and to you too, Cassie. Blessings on you both. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit one of our sponsors or share this episode with one of your friends. And if you want to keep up with us or join on the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on social media. We love you listeners. And this is actually our last episode of the spring season. But in a few weeks, we'll pop back on with a very special bonus episode for Father's Day where we'll talk to Brian Loritz about his book, The Dad Difference. All right, listeners, love you. 